Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Millman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com, subscribe now on YouTube, or follow him on Instagram at Kim Millman. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the Japan GP. Konnichiwa. That's uh, Japanese, you know. For hello, I would it imagine. It is. And sayonara is the opposite. That's goodbye. Or goodnight. Goodbye. The combined was goodnight. Well, let's talk about Japan. And firstly, how do you get there? What's the flight like? What's the travel like? It's beautiful. There's a direct flight, A&A, introduced at the start of September, I think. And uh, it's direct from Perth to Tokyo. And then we'll catch the bullet train like Lewis Hamilton does. He okay. uh, mentioned last year or the year prior, mentioned, uh, he mentioned in a press conference that that's one of his great thrills uh, coming to this race, that he gets to take the bullet train. And it's a beautiful bit of kit. You just sit there for well, probably the best part of three hours from Narita Airport and it rolls up at about a block away from the hotel I'm staying at, not far from the track. So it's far better than catching a flight to Nagoya and then trying to get a car. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. And, of course, I love the Japanese people. I've been there often, and their fans are absolutely passionate mm. and mad and crazy. And I think it's um, it's going to be great, great five days. Yeah. With the bullet train, does that make accommodation a little easier to choose from, you know, more options because you can stay a little further away? Well... Uh, going to the track, I have a car, so uh, I get to drive about 30 minutes. But I did make the mistake last year of staying in Nagoya and thinking, oh, I'll just drive there. It's only an hour and two minutes, but it's not when the F1's on. It's an hour and 30, sometimes two hours. And uh, $50 Aussie a day in tolls. Failed really? to um, um, take that into account. So over the four days, there's 400 Australian dollars just blown. So the track is located in Suzuki, is it? Suzuka, and it's Suzuka. Uh, a rural sort of place, an industrial town. Very little in, in terms of what um, we would normally stay in, you know, just normal sort of four and three and four or five-star hotels. Mm -hmm. Their hotels are very small rooms. And some of the, the lower-rung ones just reek of cigarette smoke because, of course, they are passionate smokers mm. in that part of the world. And I'm not much one for smoking, don't don't like it at all. So what is the track like? In oh, I love it. It's glorious. Um, it's one of the shorter tracks, and it has. it's the only track that crosses over itself. Now, that in itself yeah. uh, allows a, a beautiful shot that I've never taken, but I will focus on this race. Because you get this shadow where the road crosses, the track crosses um, uh, the bottom part of the track, you get this dark shadow. Now, in bright light, you can get this huge difference between the sunlight that's either side of the shadow and the shadow itself. And when you expose for the car when it's in that shadowed part, it blows front and back out completely. So you get white before it and you get white after it. And it's a beautiful shot. But uh, I've seen others do it and I love it. Never done it myself. That is my goal. Although, uh, let's jump onto the weather. They're talking about this super typhoon mm. heading there. Now, if that's the case and there's rain, I did have a look at the forecast and I thought that uh, Saturday and Sunday looked very wet. But maybe Friday could be sunny. So if it's sunny on Friday, I'm heading to that crossover point and I'm shooting the cars in the shadow underneath the, um, the track that runs above it, hoping for that great shot. And if I have to take a whole session, uh, so be it. I really desperately want that shot because I think that would be a good shot for my book next year. This track seems to have a few notable shots. And there's also the big Ferris wheel. Oh, I love Ferris wheels. And it's one of the rare tracks... Now, I don't know whether I can explain this so that uh, you, the listener, will understand, but we can actually sit on the grass and shoot, and there's nothing between us and the cars. Um, 
because of the way it's, what is it, the second last, third last turn is a little chicane thingo. And where we sit on the grass, there'd be absolutely no chance of a car being able to hit us. It would have to drive past and then do a U-turn and come back at some savage angle. So we are safe to sit there. But it means you can get very low uh, and actually you'll have grass in your foreground, you'll have um, crowd in the background and then the Ferris wheel. And it's a shot that I spent a lot of time on the the past two years. Mm. I really love it. And I'll be looking to perhaps be a bit more definite in where I sit because you can move a metre, two metres left, right, forwards or backwards, and it makes a huge difference to the shot. And perhaps in the past I've been guilty of just saying, oh, well, this this is good enough. Then I get back to the media centre and go, oh, if I just moved a little bit left, you wouldn't have that pole in or you wouldn't have that bit of track or that that fencing. That's my goal this time is to be um, quite discerning and go for perfection, not near enough is good enough. You're very enthusiastic about this race. You must really love the Japan GP. I do. Uh, I had a chat with one of the drivers the other day, and he didn't like he didn't like the race. And I, I thought, well, maybe from a driving point of view, different um, aspect, but I, I love it. I really love the thrill of going there. And the food's great, of course. Mm-hmm. All that teriyaki sauce and um, chicken and wagyu, it's just a dream. So how's the paddock, pit and media centre here in Japan? It's the best media centre in terms of its location. It is right in the middle of the paddock. It is ground level. You walk. You could stand at the entry to the media centre and shoot drivers and action in the paddock if you wanted to. Now, that may be the case that we have to do that with uh, rain. If it's Mm. really savage rain, you can stand under cover and just watch drivers run backwards and forwards with umbrellas and and raincoats on. But um, uh, it'll only be a couple of days rain. It won't rain all day. Although I have been there when it rains and it is a little uncomfortable because they get these torrential downpours, mm. causes um, big uh, flooding bits across the track and that's not good obviously for aquaplaning. But um, there are two entrances to the paddock and often you don't know which entrance the drivers will come to. Most of them will come to the main entrance but Lewis, uh, Nico, a couple of others may go to the other entrance because it's a shorter walk to their hospitality suite. And that keeps them out of our eye for longer, which um, for some of them is uh, preferable. I thought I read that a few of the drivers came in on helicopters and out on helicopters because the traffic can be so terrible. No, I, I'm i not sure that's the track. Uh, okay. I think uh, a lot – well, certainly a lot of the drivers will stay at the hotel at the track. Uh, and that is the only decent hotel around the area, I think. Uh, I'm saying about 25, 30 minutes drive away which is only 17 kilometres, but the traffic's obviously reasonably heavy at that time of year. But uh, what I do love is all the crowd queuing up outside the main entrance Mm. every morning and every evening. And because we have to go in that entrance, you see them going in and going out, and they're all colourfully dressed. They've got crazy signs, um, face masks. And what I'm going to do on Thursday, because uh, Tyler, my son, is coming with me, I'm going to get him to uh, hold a a camera while I do this live Instagram video okay. where I'll interview some of the, well, hopefully they'll have some English speakers there. Otherwise, it's going to be a pretty boring interview for, for me because I won't <laughs> understand a word of what's being said, although Tyler's done a little bit of Japanese at school. I think that'd be a great opportunity to get some feedback from these guys because they are so passionate and um, invest a lot of hours. And I'm not mm. sure what they're hoping for. Maybe just a glimpse because I'm pretty sure that where they're situated on the, the road into the track, there's no way a driver's going to stop get out of the car and sign any autographs. So I think at best they're hoping for a glimpse through a window of 
the driver or the, the team personnel that they love. Yeah. There was a story from last year where one woman had her phone cover signed by Lewis and another one who was trying to get an autograph from Kimmy. Oh, she was funny. She was in the paddock and a mad Kimmy fan and he came out of I don't even know what that room was, but I did notice him go in and then she was camped outside and I thought, oh, well, I've got to hang around here so we'll see what happens. And when he came out, he just had his head down. He was making his way to wherever he was going and she was screaming, please, Kimmy, please, please, Kimmy. And he wouldn't stop and uh, she dipped out, <laughs> as so many do when it comes to Kimmy. If you don't keep up with him, if you want him to stop for a selfie, forget it. He's never going mm. to do it. Unless you're a kid, he may... He may um, give them a little bit more leeway. But otherwise, you walk with him and you take your photo while you're walking and he'll oblige with a smile and look at your lens and that is the best that you're probably going to get out of that fella. Now, there's an interesting picture on your Instagram of photographers with stepladders. Yeah, this is what I find quite funny. And the, the first year I was there, I noticed that in the foyer of the media centre, there were maybe a dozen stepladders, three steps on each ladder, mm. and everyone had a name on it. And I thought, wow, and they're all local guys because I don't think any of uh, the international guys would be able to drag around a stepladder. But they use it for things like Park Ferme after Quali and after the race, where obviously it's a bit of a battle to get a front row. So these guys bring these little stepladders, mean they can be two or three people back, and they actually get a, get a look. But if you have a look at my Instagram picture this morning at Kim Elman, and you will find that uh, four of them, I think, I counted in about the 12 photographers sprinting down pit lane, me leading the bunch, mm. uh, Four of these guys, and I think they're all guys, have stepladders to get get shots. Otherwise, they dip out. Must be uh, crazy to try and carry that and all your photography gear. Oh, yeah, because it's never easy with that, and especially if you've come from the race. So sometimes I come from being out on the track during the race, and I go and queue up at Park Ferme. I'll have um, two cameras on my black rapid straps around my neck, and they weigh three kilos at least. And then I've got uh, a long lens because I haven't had time to go and put that back in the media centre and that sits on my shoulder. And then I've got a calico bag with some other stuff in there. So if you take that and then you say, right, and add to it uh, a stepladder, well, that's hard work. And you've got to run down pit lane to get a reasonable spot. Although having said that, if you've got a stepladder, you're probably not going for the front row anyway. You can leisurely stroll down. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPicks.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. I believe Valtteri Bottas nearly cleaned you up at the back of the track. Yeah, that was the, the closest I think I've ever come to thinking I'm going to get cleaned up here. This was right around the back of the track before they head on to that very long straight that turns into the left-hander, R130 or 130R. And uh, they come straight towards you over a rumble strip. And I was ground level and I had a, a waist-high fence in front of me. And I went down to pick up a lens and I got up and I went to put the lens up to my eye. And Valtteri's coming straight towards me and he starts getting all out of shape, fishtailing left and right. And I thought, oh, he's, he's done. He's going to um, clean us up. So I've just dived for the grass. <laughs> the guys a level up have kept shooting. They've got the shots of him fishtailing. Mm. And he's managed to just pull out of hitting the fence, but then probably 200 metres further up the road he hit the fence and uh, made quite a, a mash of it. So, uh, yeah, that was the closest I've ever come, I think, to thinking, hey, I'm in trouble here. On a related note, I saw a photo where another photographer had dropped their phone onto the track. What are the rules for <laughs> retrieving things? Glenn Dunbar, 
Uh, you know, it just sits, sits there and, until it was actually on the grass, and it was at about the same spot that I need to stand to take that photo we discussed earlier with the shadow. Mm. But uh, yeah, he dropped his phone over the fence, and it would have been about probably 30 centimetres off the fence on the grass. And look, I don't even know whether he tried to get it back. I imagine he probably could have got his monopod and pushed it back under the fence if indeed there was a gap under the fence. But uh, yeah, that was quite funny to watch. Did I take a photo of that? Yes. I think I did, yeah. As an accredited photographer, are there rules about when you can extend or into the track or uh, is it like completely out of bounds while the race well, is on I, at least? I, I don't know. I've never had the oppor- I've never had the need to mm. rescue anything from the track, but I, you know, I'm very mindful. I wear that black bucket hat purely because you can't wear a cap when you're shooting because um, you turn the camera into portrait mode and it smashes the peak of the cap back into your head, so it rules out a cap. And you've got to have a, a floppy hat that mm. you can easily clip up, but it has to be reasonably tight. Because if it's loose and floppy and the wind blows it on the track, suddenly I'm the one that's in trouble because it's my hat on the track. So yeah. I'm always very mindful of, um, of having a cap or a hat that fits rather snugly. Now, last year there was a Japanese illustrator who made cutouts of various press people. Yes, uh, press officers from the teams. Mm. And uh, he's a lovely fella. Now, I've met him the last two years. And last year he used some of my pictures to produce uh, the banger cartoons that these guys uh, have presented to them in, in Red Bull. I think it is Red Bull and, and Ferrari got yeah, one last year. Correct. So last year he gave me th- four, I think, four of these cutouts. I got a Lance Stroll. I got a James Ranson, who was a press officer from uh, Red Bull. I got one of Britta Roisk uh, from Ferrari, and which is a bit of a joke because my kids often come to this race, well, Tyler in particular, and he, he thinks it's quite hilarious when we roll up at the airport with these six-foot-high <laughs> cutouts all wrapped up in glad wrap to put on the plane to get home, and they all get home okay, no problem at all. But, um, yeah, he'll be there again this year. He's already contacted me and said I'll be there Thursday uh, with some more cutouts, and he showed me the pictures, and they are works of art. So he draws them, Mm. and he gets the outfits that the press officers wear absolutely perfect, and then he prints them uh, onto five- and six-foot-high board and cuts them out and has a stand and he brings them along Thursday and they're really works of art. In fact, last year I got Daniel and Max to sign my Red Bull one. Okay. And that's, uh, yeah, that's in my Lancelot house. I understand there's a myth around the name of Rosa Herrero Venegas, Charlie Rose. Oh, because there's a funny story. That's um, Lewis's press officer, uh, Rosa, and... I just searched her on the internet because I'd taken many photos of mm. her and it came up as Charlie Rose. This is her name. So I've gone and put in there, this is Charlie Rose Lewis's um, press officer. And then it was in Japan. They came up to me and they said, mm-hmm. oh, oh, we had a bit of a laugh at your last post. You put down uh, Rosa as Charlie Rose. Yeah, that's her name, isn't it? No, it's Rosa Herrera Venegas. Ah, so she had a laugh with me too, and I, I corrected it quickly. But um, I, I have noted since that other people have seen what I've written and referred to her as that. <laughs> well, so I've then had to go and correct them. So it's some sort of ongoing joke? Perpetual, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Someone's put it up on the internet, and I've copied it, and then I've put it up, and someone else copies it, and then someone else will see it and copy it too. So she has an alias. It seemed that a trophy from last year was cracked by a photographer. Oh, yeah, that was in the after celebrations. Lewis won last year and um, afterwards everyone rushed towards the action after the champagne bottle had been sprayed in in amongst all their team and all the photographers and one of the photographers kicked that arse over tit and smashed it. But, um, yeah, 
I'm pretty sure they got it fixed. You just put up on your Instagram that you finally received a photo back from Leclerc at the previous race. That was that was pretty nice. I took this photo of Charles Barcelona in testing earlier this year. Uh, it was on the Tuesday of testing and he was coming out of the engineering garage and he had a knife and fork in his hand. I was the only photographer around and he saw me and he smiled and he just held up this knife and fork and I captured all the shots. I kept shooting and got these great shots and um, a couple of races later I brought the picture the A3 along and just gave it to Charles. said, look, when you get a moment, could you sign that and perhaps put a comment on there? Mm. He said, sure. And then of course I'd ask the next race, uh, I'd probably ask me or I think, has he done it? Oh no, he'll do it. Next race, no, he hasn't done it. Next race, no, he hasn't done it. Next race, no. And then I thought, I'll give him two more. Maybe he's lost them. So I gave him (laughs) two more. And then finally, last race, he mentioned as we're walking back along the paddock, uh, I was shooting him in the paddock. And uh, he said, have you got that picture? I said, no, but I really want it. (laughs) He goes, oh, I've done it. I've done it. I said, okay, that's great. So I picked it up. Yeah, it's just a lovely note uh, thanking me for the stuff I do with him and uh, just a little bit about the moment. He left, a, he left a nice little caption, I believe. He did. And uh, like I won't go into detail. A lot of people have asked about that on the yeah. post, but uh, you can't read it. So, no, that's that's my little precious thing, and that's being framed this week, and it'll go up in the messages on hold office here in sunny Perth, Western Australia. And uh, you know the other funny thing, too? I notice a lot of people on um, Instagram call me Kai because they think my name is Kai Millman, not <laughs> Kim Illman. So... Uh, setting the record straight for those of you who um, haven't worked that out yet, it's definitely Kim with a Y. Now, you've also been working hard on producing more content for YouTube. Yes, I've realised that uh, I've got this tremendous knowledge of what goes on in the paddock and I've got some lovely photos and 70, 80, about 50,000 great photos of F1 and I can do more because the podcast gives us a little bit of time. the blog, even less time, and it's harder to write all this stuff. So mm. I thought, well, let's do some videos. And I've managed to get a, a program called ScreenFlow 8, which records what's on your computer screen. So I've got a studio set up at Messages on Hold in Perth, and I've got a, a camera in front of me, and then I record on the camera. And I've, I'm mic'd up, mm-hmm. got some nice lighting in there, and then I also record what's on my computer screen, then I marry them up. So I can talk about photos that I'm looking at. And it's normally done, like, for instance, yesterday I did one on Daniel Ricciardo. It ended up running 10 and a half minutes, and it took me 11 minutes from start to finish. Now, that's a, that's a good one because normally I make mistakes and go back and fix them. But I thought, no, this time, no, I'm going to just go through. It's going to wear a couple of ums and ahs in there. But really, 11 minutes to record a 10 and a half minute video is pretty mm. bloody good. Yeah. So there's all of this content that I'm producing and putting on my YouTube channel. I'm doing a minimum two videos a week. Uh, and, and I aim to keep that up, certainly through the off season and, and once again into next year. It's a variety too. It's some stuff about how I shoot particular photos. It'll be stuff on different tracks, uh, be driver profiles, chats about Australians in F1, wives and girlfriends. So it's a variety of topics, but pretty much it's what I see expanded upon Mm. and using the photos that I take to illustrate um, what it's like to to be part of this amazing sport. How does crowd control differ from this race to say something like Italy? Oh, it's it's the most dramatic difference. In Italy, you've got to have hundreds of security people and you've got to have metal fencing and the security people push back against the crowd, the crowd push back against the fencing. In Japan, they have a few plastic sticks 
stick up out of the, uh, the little holder on the ground. Then they have some other plastic sticks to go across it at waist height. And everyone stays behind the sticks. Mm. You don't touch the sticks. You don't go near the sticks. That's where you stop. And when you get out to the fan zone, everybody sits down quietly and they do exactly as the um, host of the fan zone stage asks. And they will clap at the right time. They'll wave at the right time. And no one's disorderly. It's yeah. the most marvellous thing. And and that, that is the, the whole Japanese society, that people do what they should do. And that's if there's a sign that says don't do that, they just don't do it. They don't try and push it over and, and rot it. It's fantastic to see them all complying. They seem to be very, as rabid as, say, an Italian fan, but a little more <laughs> respectful maybe might be the right yeah, word. Yeah, and, and they know the line. Yeah. Um, and certainly when you see the costumes, if we do this, well, when we do this live thing from outside, you'll see a few of them, but more so once you get to the fan zone, it's just fantastic. And, um, and the, the driver's autograph session on the Thursday, if they've got that again in pit lane, that's a real thrill to be a part of because uh, they are just out there with all of their um, mm. colours on, uh, orderly waiting for their drivers. And, and the drivers love it because they don't feel pressured. They don't have to worry about some poor kid getting squashed. It's all very orderly and, um, and nice to watch. I feel like these fans might – do they dress up the most and the best and yep. that kind of thing? I remember last year there was uh, a family that were f- uh, following Renault and they had their kids in Renault race suits. Well, they were the hit of the paddock. Every photographer was wanting a shot of these two – youngsters, and I think they're probably about three years old, dressed up in these Renault suits, and they were sitting in the tyres while the tyre guys from Renault were washing them, and oh, there was just great photos. But th- there'll be a whole lot of stuff that I, I have no idea what to expect, but I know I'm going to go, wow, look at that person. Oh, and that one. Wow, I'm going to get a shot of mm. you. Um, old, young, male, female, they're all, they're all crazy. In fact, there's a lot more women, I think, uh, at this race that get into F1 in a passionate way. And there's probably a girl who follows Nico Hulkenberg, always dresses in a, a yellow Japanese kimono sort of thing with Nico everywhere on it, has her nails painted. I photograph her in Japan. I photograph her in Singapore. And then she's appeared, I think, at some other races, maybe in Europe. But yeah, you wouldn't get much bigger fan of Nico's than this young lady. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Kim. We look forward to seeing all these fan photos. Hey, hey, dodo. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIllman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIllman, not Kai Millman. No, that's right. Get that right. <laughs> and subscribe on YouTube now with plenty of new content. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. Sayonara. F1 On and Off the Track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.